We're looking at Mark chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 20 again. Pastor's going to focus this morning on verse number 20. So Mark chapter 4. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in, sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, "'Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground.' where it did not have much soil, and, and immediately it sprang up since it, had, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold 30 and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him, with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven." And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is God's word. Here at the end of the service, uh, we'll be able to hear from the Kleins again and look forward to their presentation. Also, we'll be able to vote into membership, Bonnie Cunningham, looking forward to that and how God uses her and Lord willing, her marriage coming up here real soon with Sam. Uh, And then also, I would like to meet with our voting congregation um, just for about five, maybe ten minutes at the max at the end of everything, just to talk over one matter that I'd just like to share with the church family with that. We're in Mark chapter 4 again, as we've just read. Thank you, Jordan. And uh, we're continuing through our series, working verse by verse through the book of Mark. And as was already alluded to, didn't we already address this passage? Uh, did, did, going back and having the same sermon from last week, uh, same song, second verse, can't 
get better, won't get worse, uh, something like that. Are you, what are you doing, pastor? Um, well, what we want to emphasize today is the last verse in that passage and just the last few phrases emphasizing one truth. Normally, when I preach, uh, as I, and it's a privilege, wow, what a privilege to be able to just stand and open the Word of God with our church family. What a responsibility. And normally, when I, when I preach, the pattern is to address the main truth of that passage by dealing with two or three or five or ten points, whatever it is, and you all kind of get used to that, and you know that I'm old school and I kind of alliterate or whatever, you kind of follow along, and you have that place in your handout to be able to keep notes and so forth, and that's just kind of a routine. But today is a little bit different. Today, the main truth will be emphasized by one point, a one-point sermon. Okay, okay. In theory, that means it's a shorter sermon. All right, in theory. Uh, we'll, we'll do this, and really what, what I want to do is make two applications out of that one main point. But if we could get that one main point and then chew on that for the rest of the week and the days ahead, it could go a long way. And today the main point is this. This one point. Be amazed. Be amazed. Be amazed at the fruitfulness Christ can accomplish. Be amazed. Lord, would you take this passage and open it up to us in a way that, Lord, we see and we hear and we'll be astounded with what you can do with one life yielded to your word and just applying what you've told us to do. Help us to be amazed. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll make two applications, and then I want to encourage you to have some takeaways that you develop on your own for yourself. May it not be just something that, oh yeah, we hear about that, that's for other people, but Lord, speak to my heart in this. A quick review, Jesus said the sower sows the word, that's in verse 14, you see that? And Jesus tells us that the sower is sowing the word. So the seed is the word. And, and the key to understanding this entire passage, as Jesus illustrates, is to, to understand this, that the different soils are revealing various heart responses to the word. Already you've heard the introduction prayer to our service is that, God, would you, would you prepare our hearts? What is our response to the word within our heart? What is your response we need to be aware of the wrong responses to the word, and that's illustrated by the different soils that are here in this passage. The hard soil that, that just disdains the word, doesn't want to have any part of it. That rocky soil that, that uh, dismisses it because of the pressures and the, the worries of life. Or that thorny or weedy soil that is so easily distracted, um, kind of ADD, we don't really keep our minds on what is really important. It's non-receptive to the word. That's the poor soil, the bad soil. However, here in verse 20, this is emphasized that the, that seed that was sown on the good soil, it's the one who hears the word and accepts it. So it's hearing and doing something with that, and it bears fruit. Now we need to be drawn to the right response which is receptive to the word. We're taking it in, right? 
not distracted, not disdaining it, but receiving the word. Interesting insight here that we looked at last week as well. This same parable Jesus refers to three different times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Not John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So Matthew 13, it's hearing and understanding. You remember this one? And then Mark chapter 4, verse 20, it's hearing and accepting. That's our text here. And then in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, it's hearing and holding or keeping or grasping or, or using this. I think that's very profound in understanding how we are to hear and what we are doing. So hearing, as we know from the Shema, is more than just hearing. It's, it's doing something with the response of obedience to what God says. So are you listening? Are you willing to hear and respond, recognizing, receiving, and responding to what God's Word has to say to you? Now, what can we expect if that happens? What can we really expect? Well, our text tells us, look at it, in verse 20, the ones who hear the Word and accept it, they bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So here's the point. Be amazed at the fruitfulness Christ can produce in you. God's going to make something different happen in you. The context is a farming culture. I think it's estimated that like 90% of the culture, people, their income, their way of living was, was dealing with the farm, dealing with the the growing crops as best as they could. Uh, there are still places in the world that this is still the, the, the predominant means of income, the farming. And the farming practices of that day were far different than what we have today. When Jesus walked in Galilee, what they did was far different than what we do in farming here in Iowa. Here in a few weeks, we'll see planters out in the field and there'll be so much work going into it, right? You guys, you know that. Um, yeah, it's coming up in just a few weeks, probably maybe the first part of May, right? April, somewhere around there, you get to planting. And what happens today is the farmer prepares the ground. He's adding the nutrients. He's adding just the right fertilizer for each spot, each inch on that field. He'll go through and he will have a, a seed planted in a specific point on that field and, and there's a predetermined positioning based on the GPS and there's it's very orderly and he's adding just the right amount of fertilizer for that soil composition for that seed to grow the best it can and there's so much strategy that goes into that to produce a higher yield but back in that day when Jesus was speaking to these people that were gathered around him at this on at the lake and he was out in the boat back in that day the sower would just cast the seed he would have it in his hand and he would throw it out over the ground and wherever it fell some on hard soil some on rocky soil some on thorny soil and some on good soil so the yield was quite limited John MacArthur said this about this particular point of this verse in verse 20 and I like the way it's stated, so I'm just going to read it directly from his commentary. The last statement in this verse of, uh, uh, of 
Jesus would have been the wow factor in the story that he so there's a point to the story a good storyteller knows how to get our attention and we go wow that's what Jesus was doing here when he said on other seed other seed fell into the good soil and they grew they grew up and increased and yielded a crop and produced 30 60 and 100 fold that's the wow factor because that kind of product would never happen no planting ever had that kind of a return. So that was not ordinary. That was uncommon. And that caused them to wonder, what is he talking about here? Wow. So when Jesus says some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold increase, that's amazing. How could that ever happen? That's impossible. But remember, with God, all things are possible. Now think with me. Think with me for a moment. What's the difference between 100% and 100 times? Just, just, let's just talk about that just for a moment, just because I want, that's going to help us grasp what's going on in this passage. What's the difference between 100% and 100 times? Well, 100% means all of one, or 100% of one, correct? So if something increases by 100%, you have two. All of one doubled. Uh, that's 100%. So you go from 100% of 1 to 100% of 2. You got that? You're, if, if you're talking in terms of money, you're doubling your money. And that's not bad. Uh, with, with the stock market, we think it's, it's a good year if we get a 10% increase, right? And, and 20% is just amazing. That's going from 1 to 1.2. You know, but that, that's, we, we, that's a pretty good expectation to maybe 10% or 20%. However, if you have 100 times, you don't have two. You have 100 of that one thing. Now that is an increase. That's a huge increase. That's an amazing increase fruitfulness sometimes this word fruitful refers to good works all right so uh, keep in your place there in mark chapter mark chapter 4 and if you will go to Galate, excuse me colossians colossians chapter 1 and you'll see the same word used in, in a little bit different context but it's it's emphasizing something that changes in our lives Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. It's a good verse to put to memory. As you walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Right? So this fruitfulness is speaking about something that changes in the way you live and in, in the good work that God works in you as you're increasing in, in the knowledge of Him. 
So be amazed at how Christ can produce fruit in your life as you receive the word. So you understand it, you're hearing and you're understanding it, you're hearing it and accepting it, and you're hearing it and say, okay, God, I'll do that. It's referenced in Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. It's referenced again also in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he's going to meditate, he's going to think on these things day and night. And he'll be like a tree that is planted by the river, and it's flourishing, it's bearing fruit. That's the point of fruitfulness here. In how God's word is received, we, we take it in, we abide there. We say, okay, I'll do that. And when we follow through and do it, great changes take place. It's not just in one ear and out the other. It's not being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So that's what's being emphasized here with, with being fruitful. It's you're receiving it so that you're using it. It's going to change your life. You're going to be different. You can't go on doing the same things you used to. And where there was despair, God replaces that with the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Instead of anger, there is peace. Relationships put back together better than ever before. Rather than giving up, you have hope. You see, the fruit of the Spirit, what the fruit of the Spirit is, what the Spirit brings about in you as you Take in the word, you abide in the word, you're, you're allowing it to be part of your thinking and your framework and your actions and your responses. You know this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. These are the things that are going to be happening. Long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. There's a change. And as you open the word, you take it in, you say, okay, God, I need that, I'll do that. The fruit of that is an amazing change in your life. Christian, keep on that journey. I hope that you'll understand that, more so than just head knowledge. Here's the second application. Be amazed at the fruitfulness Christ can produce through you. Not only in you, but through you. You're alive on purpose God has you, and your heart ticking, and your brain functioning, at least somewhat. God has that here on purpose to accomplish something, fruitfulness through you. The, the seed is the word, and God is the sower, and he uses us as his instrument to spread the seed. And we can view 30, 60, and 100 fold, 100 times, as the growth of Christ's church his kingdom he's given us the command in matthew 28 right go and make disciples as you're going therefore making disciples and you're baptizing that's drawing a person to a commitment to be identified with jesus christ as a follower of him and then you're teaching you're showing a different way of life that you're actually putting into action to observe all that he has commanded us that's the great commission 
And then the methodology for that is in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, where we read what you have heard in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's a progression of thought. One person hears it, they share it with another person, that person gets it, they share it with another person. There's a progression of discipleship. Paul did this with Timothy. We have it right here in 1 Timothy. Uh, we have it in, in 2 Timothy. We, we have it in, in Paul's story about being there in the jail time and time again. And who did he talk to when he was in jail? The jailers. The Praetorian Guard. And they heard these things and they took it wherever they were on assignment and the gospel spread like wildfire because he committed unto faithful men who would be able to teach others also. So we have the Great Commission and we have the methodology which is one, reaching one and showing one how to reach another. Where one hears the gospel is taught how to share the gospel, and that person shares the gospel and teaches that new person how to share the gospel and live it out and let it become their life just time after time after time. Consider what could happen if you were to commit your life to following that one command and that method, the Great Commission, go and make disciples, doing it just like Paul did, hearing the word, Committing it unto faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Consider what could happen if you committed your life to following that command and that method. And if others were influenced by you to do the same year after year. And if each year for 16 years, you and one other Christian shared the gospel with two people and equipped them to share the gospel the next year with two more people... And you take that strategy time after time. You share the gospel. They respond to the gospel. You invite them to the exchange seminar. By the way, let me encourage you to clear your schedule and make this your priority for next weekend. To be able to learn how to share the gospel with confidence, knowing exactly how God uses it and gives you the awareness of how to respond to various questions and how the relationship can develop, let me encourage you to take the exchange because you can start this. This can be you. So you share the gospel with one other and a friend does the same thing. They share the gospel with four others and they do the same thing. They share the gospel with 16 <laughs> and they do the same thing. You see how that just keeps on going? Each year for 16 years, how many people would come to know Christ if that was our strategy? We followed what was in Scripture. It's not the big meeting. It's not one person reaching 100,000 people. That would be a pretty amazing, wouldn't it? But it's one reaching one, reaching one, reaching one, without anybody ever seeing what's happening. This is happening all throughout China. has been for decades we were told that in China, before the communist takeover, there was something like maybe 20 million Christians. After it opened up again in the late 90s and the two, early 2000s, what was estimated, the best estimate, because it's hard to measure there, but the best estimate was maybe 200 million in just 20 years. 
And then that keeps on going. Yes, they're under persecution. Yeah, they can't do things out front, but one by one by one, they're reaching one more. I think this is happening in other places that are closed access throughout the world, even to this day. God is building his church his way. But just think, if you were led by the Spirit of God to cast the seed, some will be on rocky soil, some will be on weedy soil, some will be on hard soil, and they'll just disdain it, or they'll, they'll push it aside. But others, it'll be good soil, and they'll say, I want that. I want, I'm, I'll respond to that. And they won't fall away. And then they share the gospel with somebody else. What could happen in that amount of time? I got up here without my bulletin. Can you open your bulletin, your handout, to the inside flap? And you see this chart, 16 years. After 16 years, if we just followed this pattern that is laid out in Scripture, I remember the first time this clicked in my head. I think it was 1996. I go, wow. Now, this is theory. It's not happening, but there's no reason it couldn't. If one reached one twice a year and another person did the same thing, this is, by the way, this is a, in a chart that's in the evangelism, excuse me, in the exchange seminar that you'll see here next, this next weekend. But in a matter of 16 years, how many people would, would come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior? If we just follow this command and this strategy in 2 Timothy 2.2. Look at the bottom corner on the right-hand side there. Eight billion people. No big meetings, no fancy organization, no great website, <laughs> whatever. Just one speaking of Christ to one other, showing them how to share the gospel as well, and they do that time and time again, year after year. In 16 years, eight, how many people are alive right now? Right at eight billion people. You know what we tell ourselves? Oh, it's too late. The world is so bad, it'll never get better. Well, that might be true, but God can still do this. Now, that's not the main thing that caught my attention about that chart. I'll get there in just a moment. But I want you to see that God can still do that. A hundredfold increase. And we ought to be saying, just like these people, wow, that's amazing. As God is using you to sow the seed, God will use you to influence others in their response to the word. Some falls on rocky soil, on hard soil, on the thorny soil, but some falls on the good soil. And those who respond, it's like you pass the baton, and they can be trained to do what you have just done in sharing the gospel with them. In fact, they will probably be more effective than you. And that's what excites me. And some of you are brand new Christians within the last year or two. And if you would understand this truth and then share this with just one or two others and they grasp the gospel like you grasp the gospel and then they share it with somebody else, 16 years, 8 billion people could come to Christ. Again, that's a pretty amazing thing, but that's not the thing that catches my attention most. But God can do that. God can do that. Now let me ask you a question 
I'm just going to stand here for a moment. The hardest thing for a preacher to do is to be quiet. I'm just going to stand here for about 30 seconds or so, and I want you to come up with your takeaway. I've not shared with you mine yet, but what's your takeaway? Just jot it on that page there in front of you or put it on your phone. What's your takeaway from what you've just seen in this passage that Jesus illustrates with this parable, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold? At least look like you're writing something, okay? What's your takeaway? Here's my takeaway. Here, this, this chart that you have there in your handout. There's 16 years listed there. So the thing that caught my attention was that second column. 16 years. In 16 years, 32 people would come to know Jesus Christ by one person sharing the gospel. I would like to have 16 years to do that. I turned 64 this year. Old man, yeah. If God would give me energy and zeal and I eat right and I sleep the right amount and, and I keep my brain active and, and all that stuff. And I don't know how or what. I mean, obviously it's going to change over the years how I'm able to sow the seed. But wouldn't it be cool if in the next 16 years there were 32 people that came to know Jesus Christ because I had the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Spread the seed. That would be 30-fold. I'd love to be that influential for God's kingdom. Just one person, 30 times me. Wouldn't that be awesome? God can use you. So here's a prayer, and it's, it's, I don't know how God would do this, but I know he says he can. And in fact, the fruit is assumed in this passage. It's not could be. It, this is what happens. When it falls on the good soil, there's fruit. They accept it, and it's fruitful, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. 32 who could come to Christ and be discipled to share the, the gospel through the exchange. One of the things that really encourages me is I've been looking for years, two things. I've been looking for the tools to be able to do discipleship, and God gave us that with Leadership Journey, and that's working. And then I've been, okay, God, I'd like to have the same kind of thing that we could do with evangelism. And guess what? Right here in our lap, we have this exchange series. And you can be challenged to know how to share the gospel and have confidence with that. And, and then that can be multiplying for years to come. Yes. Whether you know it or not, the ministry of discipleship is right in front of you with every person you interact with. And, and let me just emphasize this. We should be still amazed at the fruitfulness Christ can accomplish in you and through you. And it's happening all the time with every person you're meeting. 
consider this. Discipleship begins before the profession of faith. There's so much of relationship and conversation and prayer and interaction and questions being answered. So much that happens for months prior to that. And then they come to that ready place where they're going to be saying, yes, I want to accept that, Mark 4.20. And then there's so much about doing it after that that you're discipling them along the way. It's It's a journey of discipleship. God can use you. Helping them understand and receive and then keep the word, the gospel of their salvation. Any who are here today who are not yet followers of Christ, having heard what you just heard, I'm praying that you will hear the word and your heart would be receptive. I know some, it's hard. You're disdaining this Bible stuff. Some, it might be rocky soil. Yeah, but, and then you have all these question marks and you kind of dismiss it. Others, it's just, oh, I'd like that, but then you, so many other things are so important to you. Popularity, fun, food, <laughs> money, I don't know. Other things become, and they just kind of push aside the seed. But there's some here that are hearing the word, and you're saying, yes, I want that. Here it is. The gospel of your salvation Is all about God. He is holy, holy, holy. And because of that, He is just. He must punish sin. The wages of sin is death. Don't discount that. That's the truth. And because God is holy, He must punish our sin. And the whole point of the law is to show us our sin. But God loves you. So much so that He didn't want you to have to face that punishment. So He sent His Son Jesus to be our punishment for us. To take it upon Himself. And then He gives us His gift of righteousness. There's that exchange. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And in that He gives us His grace, His gift It's it's not of our works, it's His gift of salvation. And our whole life after that is spent saying, Jesus, thank you, you've loved me so much, you've given me this good news, I want to share that with others. And you recognize it as truth, and you receive it as truth, and you respond to it as truth, and you say, yes, Lord, I want that. Let me invite you right now to receive Christ. Admit you're a sinner. Know that God is holy and you're not and you need His help. And so you turn to Him and say, Jesus, I want what you have for me, your life. I want your salvation. Please be my Savior. Accept that. Receive that. Respond to that. As it is in truth. I'd love to talk with you about that or anyone here can share the gospel with you in that regard to truly settle this matter before the Lord as you open your heart and you pray, Dear Jesus, I want you as my Savior. Receive me. And he says, He that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. He that believes on me has everlasting life. You can have this seed of the word come alive in you as it is the truth. Lord, I'd ask that you would use what you've used from your word today in my life 
to be a blessing and stir up the hearts to respond and to receive your word. And that, Lord, you would use us for days to come in sharing your good news. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.